All right. So today we had Clay Eulery in the studio with us, Canadian team roper. He's now on the PRCA circuit down here in Don't the US. Don't hold a Cana- him being a Canadian against him. <laughs> He's actually a really good kid. Very good guy. He, he definitely lives up to the to the hype of Canadians being the nicest people in the world. <laughs> Where did you hear that? Yeah, I don't know. I've heard it around. Canadians but... told you. Yeah, <laughs> Canadian <laughs> told me. Maybe maybe it was Clay himself. But uh, yeah, great guy. He actually uh, won the Canadian national finals and also has won Fort Worth Rodeo down here in the States amongst many other things. And yeah, really interesting. And uh, last year, um, or well, in the past, mm-hmm. has been up ranked, ranked as, as high as number one. Yeah, at one in the point, heading. Yeah, at one point in 2020, and, he was sitting in number one. And, and last year, he finished up 17 with horse problems and mm. horse coming down with EPM and all kinds of other stuff. Yeah, so I, of it. Yeah, I think uh, listeners are going to get a lot out of this one. I know that I sure did. Yeah, just, he's a really nice kid. Yeah. Right? And just the way for a guy that's relatively young, the way he thinks about being an athlete and thinks about being a horseman. In, in a sport that maybe people don't always do that those sort of things yeah I think is uh, really impressive yeah I think that's probably one of the biggest things the biggest takeaways from this one was hearing you know we hear from seasoned you know competitors that you know have done it and been there and and seen a lot and all that kind of stuff and to see hear it from a young guy who's on his way through it and, and hearing that mindset kind of reminded me of you know a little bit more of where I was at in the battle of it you know mm-hmm. coming up and and uh and the mindset of it and and he's got a little bit different mindset on mm-hmm. some of the stuff and his approach to competition and stuff the way he he comes at it um is it's really kind of cool I, it's been inspiring and i've gotten to spend a little bit of time with him outside of this too and and it's really kind of a he's he's he's, he's pretty fun to listen to yeah, yeah. so i think uh you'll all enjoy it so uh yeah. enjoy yeah here we go go time Welcome to the Go Time Podcast. Go Time Podcast. The meeting place of industry leaders, elite athletes, and game-changing individuals from around the world. Here we explore the grit, guts, and mental fortitude required to succeed in business, competition, and life that you've been looking for. So stop looking and start listening. It's Go Time with Brendan O'Reilly and Todd Martin. All right, so we're here today joined by Clay Eulery. I just learned how to say his last name correctly so I don't get it wrong. That and, guy. Uh, we'll just call you that guy. <laughs> there you go. Today. That guy is here, Clay Eulery. And yeah, it's we're excited to be joined by a guy who's kicking some big goals in the team roping arena. And our, our, his misfortune is our fortune. So he's had, had a little bit of a, done himself a mischief. So he's having uh, a couple of weeks off roping so we've got him in the studio for a bit of a chat so thanks for joining us yeah, thank a, you guys that's a nice way to say you put your hand where it wasn't supposed to be <laughs> yeah. put his hand where that not the first time he's put his hand where it was. Nah. <laughs> so clay what we usually do with guests for our sake and for the listeners is uh get a bit of their background like obviously we know now that you're uh you're a, a roper in the prca and you're doing some great things in there but what started you on that path how'd you end up roping so tell us a bit of your story yeah well i started when i was uh, i don't even remember <laughs> my dad you came out with a rope. yeah <laughs> yeah i'm actually fourth generation rodeo cowboy okay so and then 
my grandpa and my dad and my grandma roped and anyway so they just gave me a rope when i was little and i loved it i've always loved it and, and then yeah that's how the roping started and as i progressed through the years you know i realized that the only way i was going to get good enough to be professional and have success is if i uh got better horses mm-hmm. and those cost a lot of money so i got more into the horse training set horsemanship side mm-hmm. of things and added on to it and then here in this last year or two i've started to have some pretty good success so it's been yeah. a just been a long road <laughs> yeah it's kind of crazy how much the horse comes into play yeah to, to the whole you know scheme it, of things it's everything mm-hmm. i mean you got to start with the right one but you also gotta you gotta learn how to make them want to do it you know i think at the professional level trying to beat the best guys in the world you know you got to have a horse that does things that you didn't necessarily train it to do you know they and i'm you know they they love what they're doing as much as i love what i'm doing you know yeah and if you don't have that you know you're you're at a disadvantage because the best horses in the world do have that quality yeah so, okay yeah. so do so do you is that something that has to be in the horse or do, is there a way that you can train that or a bit of both it's got to be there at the start and then you well, just try think, and bring it out <laughs> yeah i mean i think they're born with it yeah. myself you know but there's some that haven't had a chance to necessarily show show what they got yet yeah, you know like yeah. the horse i won fort worth on he was a reject cutter and then he was a low number peel horse and then he he was for a very short time a pro rodeo heel horse and then i bought him and went ahead and on him mm-hmm. you know so i guess maybe it's about finding the right discipline for some of them yeah too and uh, like fort worth was that horse's third rodeo ever and really then, yeah uh, as a head horse right he'd been to around not the world first, not everything third, else. First right. Though, but... right but that was his third rodeo as a head horse yeah so it's just finding a finding a fit for the for the horse yeah, yeah. i mean that's what i would say but i i couldn't say that i trained that horse to do anything that he didn't already yeah. have in him you know i'm curious like so so when you saw that one what what made you buy him and want that he was he was healing yeah he was doing the opposite and what you want him to do what made you buy any and he was a low number healer he wasn't necessarily you know the top healing horse what what was the qualities of him that made you want to go buy him well actually the guy i was roping with at the time was looking for a heel horse and he had been the one to buy him and then um this horse is real quirky he's a son of trd dual ray mm-hmm. and so he's real quirky and kind of bronchy but you can sneak around and once you're on his back he's fine and anyways the guys roping with just couldn't stand him couldn't stand that and so uh but i just kind of always liked the horse and so he was just done and not gonna ride him at all and just try to sell him for salvage money hmm. and so I just kind of talked him in and let me take him for a couple months. <laughs> and I rode him for a couple months before that's I ever made a decision. That's so, the best way to do it. You know, it wasn't like wasn't like I was a miracle worker yeah. or anything. Like that you know, yeah. I've gotten really lucky on a couple of horses. Yeah. That's yeah. what it comes down to. Yeah, you see that sometimes too. Like you were saying, sometimes you got to find the right job for the for the horse, but also it's the rider too. You see some people, some a certain type of person will have a horse and they have no luck and they don't get on with it, and then it changes owner or it changes rider, and then everything's all good. So I guess it's such a like a it's a roll of the dice in a way of that sort of thing, right? Or yeah. Yeah, or I would you can, say, or you can, yeah, make I mean, it. you got to try to, I think as people, we all like to think of people. Yeah. You know, and we need to try and see what, how are they are responding to our, yeah. our, you know, and I've done this a lot. Say like the first really good head horse I ever trained, I got her as a three-year-old and she won 
Canadian head horse of the year as a five-year-old. Mm. It took me probably two or three years after selling her to realize that I can't just ride them all like they're hurt. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I think that's what we all miss is you have luck with one horse or we think like humans and we forget that they're, they're individuals just like we're individuals. You know, I think one of the things that I've noticed about really guys that eventually really understand the horsemanship part and, and, and you see it in other sports and other you know venues is what makes like a really good horseman also makes like a really good coach, like right. a coach that, that, it, you know, it's one guy that, you know, if you know the game, you know, there's a whole lot of armchair quarterbacks that know how to play football or know about mm. football. Right. But football is, is not something that nobody knows how, you know, the intricacies of, you know, football. But what is the hardest thing about being a good coach of football is making a team, right? right? Like matching, you know, your you know, how to get a quarterback that's going to, you know, uh, motivate his line to protect him and go all out. Or if he's self-centered, you know, a quarterback that cares about nobody, nobody wants to, you know, block for him. Right. You know, but it, that kind of creating that atmosphere that creates yeah. a teamwork is kind of like what we, when we say horsemanship. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to train a horse better than anybody else ever, but that you can take and make the most out of what you have because yep. you can kind of mold yourself with it. And I think the more that you get to more horses you get to ride, the more you start to realize how you can do that. I, yeah. That's where you see the guys that like, so I'm curious so for you, like how many, when you're, when you're, you know, actively working to get, you know, on the circuit, how many horses are you using at any one time? Well, so through my career, I've, I've just now gotten to where I have like three horses that I would rodeo on. But from the majority of my professional career, I've had one at a time. And that's just been, you should, you do need three to do it as, you know, to go as hard as we need to go and run as many stairs as we need to run. You need three, but I only ever had one at a time up until. Even practice horses you didn't have? You know, I had, I never had much luck with practice horses, mainly because they're not as good as your rodeo horses. Right. And so then you're always, you're practicing on your timings all off because they're not as fast or you can't run very many steers. They don't score very good, mm. you know, so it, you can make the runs, but you're not making the proper runs. Yeah. And so, you're sort of compensating, trying to make adjustments that you wouldn't, you shouldn't have to make on your good horse. So, yeah. yeah. And you're yeah. playing trainer the whole time instead yeah. of getting to work on your own. Exactly. So I, huh. I kind of took a whole, my approach is different than a lot of team ropers. I like to practice. I, I do less, but I really focus when I do practice for myself. Yeah, you know, I rope all day long on colts and whatnot, but I kind of like turn my roping brain off, if that makes any yeah. sense. And then I'm just full horse trainer. Yeah. And then I'll either decide that I'm going to do it in the mornings every morning or in the evenings every evening. And, you know, I'll run five or six steers that are for me and just for for my roping. And, yeah. and that's all I focus on. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so it's like a quality of a quantity. That's kind of, you know, like yeah. I'm riding horses and roping all day long, just like everybody else, but I'm not just focused on my rope yeah. Yeah. all day long, you know? So, so when you run those five runs in the afternoon yeah. or morning or whatever, but those five runs, how do you make them like this one counts this and like, and, and you get in there and like, yeah, are I just, you that specific with it? Yeah. I would hype. Like, I don't like hype it up and, yeah, like I don't think of a specific rodeo or anything, uh -huh. but you know, as a competitor, you go to that spot in your brain where yeah. like you're hyper focused, you know, and and that's what I, you know, I've done actually a lot of sports psychology stuff and yeah. all that. So 
you know, I kind of know how to bring that out myself. And that's what I do for those five rounds. I go to that point that I know I'm going to be at when I'm under competition, you know. How do you do that? So how do you do that? How are you doing it? Let's <laughs> Is this just his hand and reveal these hand. secrets? Oh, well, I, I can reveal these secrets, but, gonna you know, it's going to cost you. worried you're going to sound crazy? <laughs> no, no, no. I did this probably nine or ten years ago, so I don't remember all the details of yeah. exactly how I do it. But, you know, it, the how I remember when I was learning how to do it, it all come from your breathing. Yeah. No, I'm not going to. I'm not worried about sounding crazy because <laughs> uh, when I my first year when I was 18 professionally rodeo on, I remember there being runs that I'd get get done and I'd miss or whatever, yeah. and I'd take this huge breath. Yeah, and I'd realize that I hadn't breathed the entire ah, time. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and um, going forward, you know, I've I've never thought of failure as an option. Mm-hmm. You know, but I your goals have to sometimes change and you have to adapt to the situation. Yeah. You know, and so that's where I went and I went probably spent a year really in that working on that sports psychology yeah. stuff. So it was really all breathing. And I learned how to take myself, you know, I used to get like super, super nervous mm-hmm. and I'd get like scared of being nervous. And now, well, I would, you know, yeah, I get yeah, nervous yeah, yeah. and, yeah. and now I still get nervous, but like I've trained myself to be excited about yeah. being nervous and yeah. it's a good thing. And, and I know how to control like my breathing to the point now I don't even think about it, but there was a, like when I made my first Canadian finals that whole year, I'd close my eyes and take three deep breaths and yeah. that's there was a multiple different steps to get to that. And that would put me in that. I kind of call it my nothing part of my brain, but it's yeah. actually like a hyper-focused part yeah. of your brain. Mm-hmm. But it's, and that's, so anyways, that's kind of where I, <laughs> that's yeah. what I do. And I, that's, so I can go there in the practice pen now Yeah. too, because it was a hard thing for me to learn how to do. I wasn't a natural competitor. I was actually scared of the competition. Like yeah. I would not have, who I was going to compete of, but yeah, I was scared of failure. Basically. You had performance anxiety. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds that the way you describe that sounds like exactly like really similar to how I used to do it and, and learn from some really good guys too. So that's like, was that self? Did you kind of just work that out? Yeah. I just, that's pretty impressive. I bought some self booklets and, yeah. and some courses and whatnot. That's pretty impressive. But I went like, right into yeah. it you know so what kind of like what courses did you where did you find them i'm you know, curious because you know like, i wish i i lost that book really I, so i've had this conversation you know multiple times in my life and i and you it, still don't. it changed my life that, <laughs> yeah. and i don't know what it's called yeah, well, i lost it and i can't party. you know <laughs> that's the, the, that that means you're meant to pass on those lessons to other people oh, there you go. Go on, it's yeah. called <laughs> the clay way <laughs> so write a book but uh yeah, no, that's. I remember when I would run before fight, when I was obviously in training camp and I would run. And when I was more, when I was younger and less experienced, anytime I would think about the fight, like picture it in my head, I would then find myself breathing faster and the heart rate like would go up and whatever. And then, so when I, I would do it when I was running and I would make sure that when I was thinking about the competition, that my heart rate and my breathing didn't change, you know? Right. And I got to where in, in fights, it was like I was just jogging where I was breathing the same. And I guess it's similar to what you do there where if you can control your breathing, it controls your nervous system. Whereas as humans without, when we like a normal human that doesn't train it, it it's like their nervous system controls the breathing. So they get yep. nervous and then the breathing picks up and then everything, they, they start to, you know, Tighten. anxiety. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whereas if you can control the breathing, it kind of tricks your nervous system into thinking everything's normal you know so that's pretty cool man yeah no that's i mean that so 
we've talked about that a couple of times. Well, yeah, at least one time on things, but that's well, not necessarily the breathing. Yeah. Right. But the, but getting game ready, mentally game ready. And, and everybody does have a little bit different way of doing it. I like that idea of, of, of really kind of concentrating on less runs, but yeah. making them really, really count. Primarily because I don't want to buy as many cattle as I would have to on the <laughs> yeah, other, yeah. and I wouldn't have to buy an extra yeah, horses or yeah. whatever. But I think that's something that you hear a lot of people go. It's big. It's a big business, but it's also very popular. Is going to get clinics and get coaching, and but that's not addressed. Like yeah. that's not something that somebody goes. You know, oh yeah, like most team ropers are not. Most ropers are not going to go find that kind of stuff you know no. and and don't even really understand how bad that's messing with your game yeah no idea i yeah. mean i would have never had any idea yeah. you know and i think one thing about roping is it's a muscle memory thing so i'm if you're just learning i think you need to make a lot of runs yeah you know through yeah. high school that's and like, stuff i guess any anything you're new to right yeah. it's gonna matter just do the reps you got to do the reps you know but yeah. but that's what i realized is when my brain was clear i didn't mess up yeah you know, so, and that's the only time rodeoing throughout the year. It's funny because I'll talk to my partners about it. And sometimes there's misses that just happen that are inevitable and you miss steer sure. or whatever. I'll tell them, you know, that I'll just say just that. And then there's other times that I'll get frustrated with myself, you know, about maybe three or four times a year. Mm -hmm. And I've had, they'll almost ask me like, how can you be frustrated about that one? But, you know, last week you were, the day yesterday you weren't frustrated. And I said, well, that's a miss that happens. The ones that frustrate me is when I'm not. Yeah. I let my mind get in the way yeah. of my body being able yeah. to compete. Yeah. You know? yeah. I know exactly what you're saying, hey, because I've had like in my career, I had losses that I knew I just fought as hard as I could and I just, just couldn't put it, you know, like right. it was, what you know, just, wasn't my day. But then there's, you know, one where I knew it was on me because I just, yeah. you know, and it just, for a real competitor, that hurts way more. Mm -hmm. But I think so, on yeah. paper, people think it's like to people that haven't competed, they're like, "What's the difference?" Yeah, and they're like, "There's oh, a big difference." There's you know? a huge difference. Yeah, it's a huge difference. I had one time I had a run in in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and, and there was a it was a it was a nice derby, and and I'd had a horse that I had the opportunity to to ride, and so a lot of like in our competition, we a lot of times we don't own the horse. Right. You know, it's always somebody else's horse, right? And so you're trying to you know double thing duty you know you've been training the horse and everything else but now you have the opportunity to go and show it and then you know you get the pressure of you know trying to do well for your client it's also your business you know you're trying, trying to, to make keep money your <laughs> yeah, trying to keep the client and so you have all that stuff and then it's you know like well, well let's see how he does and if he doesn't we'll go do something you're like oh man just give me like give me a couple run right you know and and this one was it was a pretty nice horse and i had worked for a while to get him to the point where he's at and he was like pretty on i felt he was going to be pretty nice and he was bred really well and I run him and I run the whole pattern. And at the end of the pattern, it was like, man, it, it was a great run. Yeah, I don't know where I would have placed, but it was not going to be, what are going to be bad? It's going to be pretty decent. And the last stop, slid his stop, killed it, and then picked him up and running backwards. And he run just like free range, motor backwards. And there was not supposed to be a, a backup. <laughs> there was no backup. And I could just, I backed up, you know, I'm, I'm hearing through the run, like, yeah, yeah. And then at the last one, I back up and everybody's like, <laughs> you know? and i'm like what oh and i even i remember coming out the back gate my wife was standing there my poor wife she's had to you know put up with me and my you know mental anguish at times <laughs> and i remember crushing my hat and i was so mad you know and and she's like you know 
the, you know, you're supposed to like be as good with your losses as you are as your wins. And I'm like, you know, not now, <laughs> but well, it was the same thing. That was one of those that, you know, I've run plenty. Yeah. And I've had ones that, you know, you run horses that are not enough to go yeah. and win, but you know, you got the most out of that horse. That's pretty rewarding in itself. Right. Yeah. But man, when you had a good one and it was just, you know, oh, mental, you know, blunder. Yeah. That yeah. One was hard. But that's part of being <laughs> in, like, that's hard in what you do as a judge sport, because to mm. me, you were a hundred percent in the moment right there. Yeah. You yeah. know, and you were just reacting to everything going on. Yeah. Well, with the judge thing, you have to do it to a certain specifications, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's the, the reigning judging is a little different than most other ones because there's two parts of it. One part, half of it is considered subjective, which is, you know, judged and, you know, that guy likes it or he doesn't like it. Right. Or right. he thinks it's great. And the other one may not think it has as great, you know, as the other one, but then they have a whole another section, which is the penalty part. That's not subjective. It's just given a certain value. If you don't do this or this happens, it's a set value, no matter, you know, if you're really cute or right. if you're just, you know, whatever, it's the same penalty, no matter what. Right. So it kind of creates a little bit even feel and playing field. It's just, it, it gives a little bit of flex at the very top and you, everybody's laying good runs together. Right. It's just a little bit subjective at that point. The top, you know, five might make a difference, right. you know, a little bit here and there, but, but it's done pretty well for a judge, you know, deal. Right. But yeah, it is kind of nice to be able to be on a point where it's you know, like <laughs> time clock and that's it. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, so, and in between like rodeos and so you, you said you you got right into the horsemanship because you wanted to train better horses for yourself, right? So are you, are you doing that in between rodeos and? Well, I've actually, yeah. So my career's kind of been up and down and slow moving really mm. <laughs> for, I tried to make the NFR say, I think it was in 2016, 2017. Mm. And I, I didn't, I finished in the top 30 of the world. And that's when I sold the first horse I trained. Mm -hmm. Her name was Peggy Sue, and she went to Riley Minor, and then Caleb Bears owned her for a while. And anyways, she was she was a real special horse. And mm -hmm. when I sold her, I I'd actually thought I was gonna just kind of become a full time trainer and mm -hmm. and go to the Canadian rodeos and make the Canadian finals, which is a feat in itself. I mean, it's still yeah. pro rodeo. It's just yeah. not as you don't have to be gone as much, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's what I was gonna do. But then I got this my good horse now his name's skeeter mm -hmm. i got he instantly followed behind her actually oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah nice. and yeah he's just kind of a little machine you know so that kind of started making me think man you know it's one of those things that that was my thought mm -hmm. but i never wanted to be just done rodeo on and yeah so i pretty much took a year after selling her and was focusing on the horse training thing and then so that would have been in 2018 and then in 2019, I was starting to gear up and trying to get qualified for the winter rodeos and everything again. Mm -hmm. And then in 2020, Skeeter actually got EPM and he's in, in 2019, he got EPM right at the end of the year. And so we spent a bunch of time on, you know, curing that. We caught, thankfully, we caught it real quick. And that's when uh, I bought the, the bay horse that we were talking about earlier that I, and I won Fort Worth in 2020. Uh -huh. And won a bunch of Tucson and the, actually for one brief moment I was first in the world yeah. <laughs> and so and then COVID yeah. happened and so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and then then it kind of opened back up and and I had I say the first rodeo was in I think Coleman Texas in June last year and I had Skeeter and my bay my bay horse name is Kid Russell because 
when you saddle him, he's more Western than a Charlie Russell painting. <laughs> up. So anyway, that's what we call him kid. And I had them both and Skeeter got sick again on the road. I don't really know what, what it was. It wasn't EPM again, but there's a bunch of side effects from it. Mm-hmm. So I sent him back to California to my good buddy and we kind of partner. His name's Tommy Thompson mm-hmm. and sent him back to California. And that would have been right after the 4th of July. So after all them big rodeos and I hadn't won anything. I won, I won good money the first week I had ski. I was riding Skeeter. Mm-hmm. Well then. So then all I have was kid and we're going to a rodeo every day in July, I guess it would have been. And that's when I realized how green that horse was mm-hmm. kid. You know, I'd done really good in the winter time, but it was practice for four days and go to a couple of rodeos yeah. practice on the road day in and day out. He's still a really good horse. He's going to be everything I need, but I realized all the holes in him. So I wasn't winning. It was really going terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he, and he sprung a shoe in the trailer somehow, mm-hmm. and he fractured a coffin bone and on his hind leg. So, so there I was in July, and I was like ninth or tenth in the world, and I have no head horses <laughs> at that time. And so I had a good buddy, Junior D's, who has an awesome horse, and he said, "Get on, ride this horse." And uh, he kind of turned things around for me. I went because I mean I, I went almost a couple weeks there where I couldn't catch, couldn't nothing felt normal for me, you know. Yeah. Anyways, I got on that horse and, and he just turned my life around basically. And I started turning steers again. And I mean, it, it just, the, the ball didn't bounce my direction there at the end of the year. Yeah. I ended up 17th in the world, but you know, there's a lot more adversity than I, Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. right before COVID happened, I thought, man, this is going to be a, yeah. an outstanding year. And it was in a lot of ways, you know, yeah. it just, I think it's all part of, yeah. of becoming who you need to become. Yeah. You know, so. I think like, wait, wait, wait. After you explaining that year you had, that's all to me. I see it just as like all training for the for the success to come, you know. Yeah. Because to still finish like seventeen with that adversity and losing some horses and that sort of thing, that from oh, we were talking about this in a podcast recently. I can't remember which one, but like if you don't have the adversity early, and this is why I tell guys I train like mm. have as many amateur fights as you want because no one's looking there. Get your experience, and then when you're in the pros. You've had the experience because if you don't have the adversity coming up, it'll it'll find you sometime. And it's better to find you in a normal year when you're just trying to make the NFR than to find you in like the critical round of the finals. You know right. what I mean? And yeah. uh, so yeah. I see all that as like training, you know, like yep. mental training and yeah, how you to know, deal I mean, that's, with adversity. It, you know, your way of you know the the amount of time that it took you to learn how to you know to have the mental toughness, but not necessarily mental toughness, but how to how to create that right. and how to how to breathe and how to everything else you know that was developed yeah you know you get I, I i so i use some of the same stuff on you know with my non-pros and understanding how to get in the show pen and because it's you know there's a lot of people that have been successful in doing things and and they can put their heads down and go hard to work and whatever else but then something else is not as easy and or they've done it but they could do it in the back in the back room and nobody really got to see them and there were limelight wasn't on them and all of a sudden they walk into a show pen and like everybody well at least right. they think right. that everybody's watching yeah. them, right yeah. no my god you yeah. know but meanwhile it's just your grandmother and she loves you and she thinks she did great right <laughs> you, know, you know that's the reality of it yeah. nobody else is watching you but you think everybody is Every, yeah. yeah and so it's uh, kind of like in your head and last thing you want to do like even ones that are successful in, in that stuff they have to understand that how things change right now i I've explained it. I can tell you how many people 
that, you know, they go, I don't understand. He does it. The horse is great at home. Why isn't he doing it in the show pen? It's like, well, man, he's experiencing the same thing that you are, yeah. right? Nobody's been at, now's the time, you know? And until you like really do train yourself to deal with those deals, then then you don't understand. It's like a training horse, right? Yeah. If everything's perfect and the horse just steps into it, when it comes down to fixing something, you don't know if they can handle the adversity, right? Exactly. And whenever it does come, because it's always going to come, you know, you haven't been, you know, to the 10th round of the finals. We've watched it, but we haven't been in it, right? And the last thing you want to do is find that adversity in round seven, you know, and have it there and then crush you. And I just never, you know, because you play the game in your head, like I'll never make it and whatever else, right? I wasn't meant to be here or whatever else you're going to tell yourself in your head, yep. you know? And that's where, you know, even like the year that you took off and when I was like, oh, sometimes a lot of that stuff is just to find the fire. You well, know? and yeah, you have to, you know, I, I like how you put that with your non-pros about people watching you, Yeah, you know, cause it's, it's the truth. Um, and that's one thing I found in that year off is that, you know, I do this game a hundred percent for me, mm-hmm. you know, it's for my success. Yeah. For, to see what my hard work paid off, you know? Yeah. So it just doesn't really matter if, if you fail or lose, cause it's, yeah. you're doing this for you, you know, yeah. and, and your wins for you. And cause then yeah. it don't matter how many world titles you win or what you accomplish. Nobody remembers it really even in 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, our, our success is really ultimately in competition. It's just the character that it turns us into exactly. long term, you yeah. know, because the, the, the wins and losses that I always said that the people that love me are going to love me regardless. And the people that don't like me are not going to like me regardless. So it's like, oh, Brendan, everybody likes you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. But, uh, but yeah, like that character that years and moments like that forge you into you're like yeah. you'll still be you can still that's the that's more valuable than any money you can get you know yeah, because yeah. you see champions that uh they have uh, all the money but sort of their character didn't change it's like nothing their life's a bit of a mess you know yeah. oftentimes it's worse too so it's yeah, like, i can imagine like somebody like conor mcgregor like how many people hate him or say all the horrible things about him like, i don't even know him or whatever but like that's gotta be that's gotta jack with him somewhat yeah i think yeah i, I mean i just like steer clear of whatever idiot anything says on the internet yeah, else yeah. Too, you know yeah it'd be tough in a in a situation in that like that where yeah so much of his successes come from being perception and having that persona well, in so their mouth like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, so, yeah, that'd be a tough one. Lucky, lucky mm-hmm. Clay is not like Conor McGregor. <laughs> he's not, he's not. I'm the, not near that tough. He's not, he's not the Conor McGregor of rodeo. The mouth. Yeah. Oh man, wouldn't that be weird if rodeo started? Because you know what? Like we laugh about it, right? We laugh. But when I started MMA, like it was, it was kind of like rodeo. Like it was just, you just turned up to your event, shook the dude's hand, fought, yeah. win or lose, went home. So it was like, Honestly, it's not that big a stretch if money gets involved. Uh, <laughs> like, if it's uh, like, it'd be so weird. Yeah. Guys getting called out for like math, math roping and stuff. <laughs> like, well, you know, like Cody O is starting to. That, um, that's happened in the tie down rope in a fair amount, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. Like, call outs and like. Yeah, not quite like, as like much not, media yeah. covering it, but there's uh, like a little bit there's of trash talking. Every now and then, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't really seen it in team roping, but. I've heard about it in the calf open before. Wow. Yeah. Well, where there's some like bad blood and some like trash yeah. talk. Yeah. I mean, 
That's what I've heard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Add a little cool. excitement to it. But have you heard that? That Cody Ols is doing a like match opens out at his place? You know, I hadn't heard. I just it, saw something about it the other day. Surprised me. It I mean, like match opens fun. are pretty cool yeah. to watch. You know, yeah, that'd because... be that'd be very cool. Mm-hmm. Man, so did you come? Were you were your family ranch like into ranching up there in Alberta? Or? A little bit. They have a small place. My dad has a small place, runs some deer on steers on it. Him and my grandma, I guess. So yeah, okay. and then my mom's married to a guy that has a couple hundred head of cows and stuff. So yeah. I mean, just in the background of yeah, everything. it wasn't that. So you rode, it was more like rodeo was prominent and that was sick. It wasn't like you ranched for a living and then you sort of Right, had to... like everybody's had, well, everybody's had jobs in my family until me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, until Conor McGregor of roping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I figured I'd just work harder at horses and roping and Man. figure out how to get a job. <laughs> like they say, if you're doing what you love, you're not really working, I guess. Yeah, my dad sat down with me once whenever I was like, Gosh, I guess I was like 27. And he had this big talk with me about, you know, when I was your age, I had a house, two kids, steady job, this and that. And then he said, you're still playing with these horses and you don't even own the truck you drive. And I'm like, yeah. And he did the whole, you know, uh, and I just like, I begged him, he's like, give me a couple of years. Just give me a couple of years and we'll see what happens. And, yeah. you know, I'm just going to keep pushing it and keep trying it. And, and it happened. And yeah. I just, I didn't want to go back to being, you know, a line worker somewhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, just, I just wanted to make a go of it. And so I just found a way. That's yeah. And it's not like it's what we do is not work. I oh mean, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's probably more work than yeah. what you get paid, but you're doing something you love every day yeah that's it huh? you know, it's definitely a lot of time and a lot of you know it's not by the hour it's not it's not no. that great a pay but, but yeah gosh lee i i always said that you know i always told people that if i did go to you know get a job working in the factory or whatever it was that i was going to go and do i'd get off work and this is what i was going to go do anytime yeah. like, so why not at least you know i didn't if I, whatever job it was i'm going to be able to afford the horses i wanted at least <laughs> I told, I tell people before this, like, good Lord, give me the gift of gab. I could talk people into buying. So I didn't have uh, money. So I could talk people into buying the horses that I wanted to have. Yeah. That was my best gift. I don't want to use it. <laughs> Man. All right. So, Kai, obviously, you, you enjoy training horses. You're into horse training and obviously roping as well. So, if you were out like, if you were going to buy a young, I don't mean for to take rodeoing right now, but if you wanted to, buy a young horse with the prospect of having it as a rope horse in the future like what would what would be some things you look for well uh, yeah i've kind of changed my tune a little bit i used to really just kind of i mean i'm a header so they got to have at least be 15 hands you know yeah kind of bigger made but i used to just buy like real cow bread kind of ranch bread mm -hmm. type horses the gentler type and my philosophy there was i'd build them and if they weren't good enough there's always that lower number real per market. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's not a bad philosophy, but here recently I've got more into the running bread horses. Okay. And um, it's just gotten so tough in the team roping. Even, you know, I've been professional for like 10 years mm -hmm. now, which is a small fraction of a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. even in the last five years, it's just gotten so much tougher. And, and I, that's what I learned last year when I rode Junior Jesus horse. You know, he's just that much faster and it made my job that much easier you know no, really so i've kind of i've gone in 
to more buying, you know, what the barrel racers would buy okay. kind, of, kind of style really? of horse. And they're not as easy to train. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to make things their idea and, and whatnot, but they're, they're kind of cool in their own right. You know, yeah. it's just, they'll test you a lot more. Yeah. I guess it's probably the best way to put it. They test you every day yeah, on some it. level, you know, or more cow bred type horse. You kind of get them sighted in going the right direction. You know, you'll see a problem coming before it pops up on you or, or yeah. you know what I mean? It won't yeah. be it. Where with them, it's like every day there's going to be something you got to yeah. work through. <laughs> so would you find that they'd be as steady at the end, like at the finished product? Or well, I think they're <clears throat> the ones I personally rode, which have been, I've kind of big on this lion share of fame mm-hmm. stud. And I've rode now seven or eight of his babies. And, and they're all very um, cocky horses, you know, like, and they, I think, I honestly believe that they think they're smarter than, than we are. Mm-hmm. And they might be because <laughs> some of us wouldn't take much. <laughs> <laughs> but the end product, yeah, they're I mean, they're great. They're yeah. they're the like they they do things that they're not even trained to do that yeah. are helpful, you know. Yeah. But once they get to their job, they're thinking they Yeah, they're reliable. Yeah. But I mean trying to even that horse's name is Dylan of Junior Jesus. I mean, even you know warming him up some days you're like where's your head at you know yeah. but you turn around and back in there and i mean he's yeah. all business really? you know yeah. but you just didn't one day yeah. he might act like kid's pony to get ready and then next day he heads up and yeah. prance and you know like i say there's just something you're going to deal with yeah. every day they don't that's a that's funny right like some <laughs> of the best horses i've seen like competitively or even just working like a ranch horse and dogs too working dogs there's this streak in them that like when under pressure, they'll make the right decision, and it's a decision you didn't ask them to make. But then, other than that, they can be a bit kooky sometimes. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes that's the best human athletes too at the top level, where they perform under pressure, and you're like, "How do they think to do that?" And then <laughs> in everyday life, you're like, "Dude, what's wrong?" With this guy? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, some of them. Yeah, I've noticed that. Like, I've, I've had a, a couple of, of barrel horses in in the recent time, and and I had one, and that I had told them. I got it started and I'd been riding around and it's kind of like it would hide itself and it would kind of tuck. It. I mean, like I'd started to teach him to soften up and he just like got to the point where he just, I didn't want to use much at all. And I mean, he hadn't even gotten out of the round pin. This thing is like folding his chin to his chest. Mm. And it's like, I'm like, hey, pick it up. And it was almost like he's hiding it, right? I just like knocked his head up one day, you know, in the round pin, mm. like, hey, pick it up. That thing broke into, like yeah. I had to have my hips adjusted after it. I didn't even get bucked <laughs> off. It didn't have to buck me off. It like literally tore. I had to walk like a crab sideways to get to the truck. <laughs> it was terrible. And when I told the lady, I was like, man, like, no, there's no way. You just, there's no rents. And he, he runs. Yeah. <laughs> in yeah. spite of, you know, me saying it was like that thing when he gets in to do it. But I don't know. I sure wouldn't want him on a trail ride or, you yeah, know, no doctor just, in cabs or nothing. No way. They're not yeah. for the pain of heart. No, yeah. no that's like. <laughs> That thing had it, boy, and he's yeah. he's right there on. It uh, looks pretty good doing it so far, from what I've seen. I haven't seen yeah. the finished on him or whatever else, but would not have been my pick. And I I would be more along the lines of you know like oh, I'll I'll ride those, and that pup isn't enough to go where I want to go. I've yeah. always got a place to go sell as long yeah. as it's pretty yeah. and it, you know it's exactly. decent. So the future might be in how do you very how do you get the two together where you get that? Yeah, I don't know if you can. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's the thing, and that's the same as what. I know people always say about, like, we were just talking about Conor McGregor and John Jones, like in MMA, those dudes, oh, yeah. 
they're great, but there's this wild streak in them. And sometimes for that level of like the gritty competitiveness at the, sometimes you need, there's that little bit of a screw loose in there, but. Well, yeah. And I think rodeo horses too, we need, you, they kind of need to be a little bit, I mean, they need to be tough as nails. Yeah. When you leave home in the middle of June, you know, they all pretty much live in the horse trailer till yeah. the end of September. You know, you go, they might get a day or two off a week and that's, yeah. that's it. And, and so, that's, wow. you know, they got to come out of there. Yeah you know, ready, ready to go to war. <laughs> yeah, physically, but also like we know from compete. imagine like, and mentally too, like imagine you're an athlete that has to stand, you're standing in a horse trailer every day and you're competing every day. Like yeah. they're, they're tough in physically and mentally, those yeah. horses, hey. And, yeah, and they almost kind of have to, you know, almost have to be somewhat of the, you know, dumb jock so that they're not worried so much that they get ulcers and all the other stuff that comes along yeah. with it too. Yeah. Huh, I mean, I, I hadn't thought about that aspect. I'm like, that's true. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you look at making a you know a weekend warrior type you know team roping horse and that's a whole different banana than something that's going to be trying yeah, to make the bigs and do all that. And that's yeah. why I think you need three, mm. so they can. I prefer. I like for me as a competitor when I'm riding one, I want to ride that horse every day, no matter what the setup is. Yeah. You know, and just but like it, it'd be not like now I'm getting to where I got three. You know, so one or two can be standing still for a few weeks or a month. And then the horse that's going can take a break, you know, because that's what I think gets them. Is, you know, they can go for a couple weeks at a time like that, but it seems like, you know, it'll start catching up to them after yeah. a month or two of it. Yeah. So, if, like, during the summer, if you, how many horses would you be taking on the road with you? Would it be, you know, last year, two? last year I took two and I actually had a training horse with me too. Mm -hmm. And that was a barrel horse. And that was actually, she's gone on and done really good with her. And, that horse needed it just for the maturity level, you know, but. You run barrels too? No, I do not run barrels. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have a barrel horse. I was just going to clarify that. Under, yeah. under a, a different name. <laughs> yeah. No, I will lock them on to one barrel. I will not go around a pattern. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well. That's... No, I'm just not. I'm not that comfortable within myself around barrels. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's phase two of the, uh, phase two of your competitive that's a whole different yeah. outfit you got to wear and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind getting them kind of broke, but yeah, <laughs> it ends there. Yeah, I'm not even big on like I'm not even going to exhibition. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. And so long term, like, what do you see as far as you know the future? You, you want to stay in the training game or get into it more, more so? Or? Yeah, I mean, really, what I'd like to do, you know, whenever takes a lot of money and anything you're going to decide to do but i would like to to ride my own horses yeah. you know not buy and sell like a trader but and i do have a program you know it's a year or two and and what i do right now is it's pretty small because i'm basically just trying to build myself rodeo horses yeah. and if they get built i'll either sell a rodeo horse yeah. or i'll sell if they're not going to make it to that level i'll sell them as a lower numbered horse so that's what i would like to do i i just like to work for myself and not not do the whole client thing but yeah. it's hard to turn down the client horses when you have good clients because that's a monthly deal you know yeah. so mm -hmm. guaranteed check is guaranteed nice. check yeah. yeah yeah you know i i i think that's something we've never talked about this on on, on any of the podcasts i'm talking about the horses and deal but you know that i think that's a hard deal to really balance is to balance the the professional working towards yourself 
and then also trying to support a non-pro in what their objective is and and that's there's a it's hard to do both it's really hard to do both because you there's a level of selfishness that you have to have in order to compete at that level yeah i mean you can't you know and i would imagine the fighting game too you know like that's a hard deal to you know dial that back down dial your intensity back down you know you can go in the in the gym with the guys and you know let it rip you know and nobody's gonna get all offended and then you know you can't quite do that with you know somebody you're you know trying to teach them how to like me (laughs) the other day we're like you know teach me how to get up off you know the cage or whatever (laughs) like instead you can't just rip and smash me yeah and then like finding that balance coming up to a competition like in normal times, it's not too bad, like in between competitions or whatever, but coming up to a competition where in your head, you're trying to be as competitive as you can, but then you're still trying to adjust yeah. for yeah. people that aren't at that level. It's yeah. tough it's in really any sport, hard. right? So I wonder, like, one of the things that would make, I wonder if it would be like a benefit is that having such a, an extended part of your family that knows that, right? That has seen that. Do you get a lot of support that way or did they step in and kind of help you, you know, help you out, as you know, to understand it? As you're going through, or did you just see it? The rodeo part of it? Yeah, like your parents, you know, rodeoed. You had family that rodeoed and stuff before. They kind of had seen some of it. Not to this level, you know, that I've gotten to. Most of my family has been like amateur rodeo cowboys and stuff. Right. So I got lots of help all the way probably to like my first Canadian finals and stuff. But the the rest has been just kind of foreign territory, (laughs) you know, and I'm not going to say they haven't supported me. Sure. But you know, they didn't have an understanding of it. Yeah. A person that's really changed my life meeting him in my adult life was Tommy Thompson. Um, he's a cow horse trainer and, um, he used to rodeo as a bareback rider. So it was actually really neat meeting him. Um, I met him first time I ever went to California for the rodeos and, uh, you know, that changed my life because i learned i'd always trained horses but you know there's a limited resources from where i'm from yeah and in pretty short order i had got myself a very basic simple program built that was building me nice horses and whenever i'd go seek more information it wasn't there yeah you know like i'm like i can i didn't know what to do but i could watch them and go what you're doing is not working right so i'm not gonna add that my simple little program I got. So he was the first guy I'd ever met that literally could do everything. Like, you know, he could talk about it and then go show you exactly to do it. And then I was like, man, I got to learn from this guy. And I got lucky because he was wanting to learn how to rope. So we became really good friends. And and anyways, so he, that's where the horsemanship was helped, but he also helped my rodeoing because he had been through all of that. At a young, as a young man too and he'd end up quitting and becoming a horse trainer and, and so he's actually a big part of the reason that you know that that was only a year off i took and i wasn't a quit situation you know because he he regretted the fact that you know he felt felt like he should have kept rodeoing before ah, he went into the horse training more so that's exactly what i told my dad yeah. is that i told my dad was like man just give me a couple years just give me a couple years and it, at the end of it if i don't make it I'll go to work for whatever. And at the end of the 25 or 30 years, when I go to retire, at least I will be able to say I gave it a shot. Yeah. But I don't yeah. want to go into it and go do it and then go, you know, that God, I wish I had gone that route and yeah. tried it. I just wish I had gone and made that extra effort to try it. 
right? Well, and and that regret sucks. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And now you're in a time in your life where you could, and like yeah. you could go through it. And that was that, I think that breakthrough where I realized I could struggle through and it got better on the other end. Yeah. You know, it's that, that road less traveled, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. It's, it's somebody, and you know what? It's a lot of times as, you know, adults, so you kind of look back and stuff, you know, you don't know where exactly you, you know, you impact somebody else or, you yeah. know, make a difference. That's pretty cool. So is he still training horses over there? Yeah, he's shifted his program more to the to rope horses. Okay. Um, now he's going pro. He's going back. In. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's building low number rope horses, and he's having some really good success with that. Okay. Um, he kind of quit. He had quit showing horses when I'd met him. Mm-hmm. So that was probably five years ago now. And he was he still had some cow horses around and stuff. And that's been pretty cool. The stud he won the snaffle bit on. He still has them there and. I've got to ride him and stuff. So, and actually, he has um, kid Russell, the horse, you know, that I went for work on. We've mm-hmm. talked about. He has him right now, and he's jackpotting on him. So we still work together. Um, That's cool. That's yeah, really cool. Because I lived with him most of the time when I wasn't rodeoing for the last few years, mm-hmm. and then now I got engaged, and now I live in San Antonio, I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, but we still talk every day and talk horses and work with each other you know so yeah that's really cool that's yeah. a man that's a big asset to have you know yeah. like because there's a lot of good ropers out there i'm like i know there's a lot of good ropers obviously but I, i'm what's the percentage of like guys that are good ropers that are actually also into horsemanship like is there just a lot of guys that it's purely you know they just want the horsepower under them and if it's not there they're gonna look for something else you know you see that a lot i mean a lot you see, you know, guys that just look at them as tools. Yeah. And that's what they are to them. And they'll get another one when it's mm-hmm. when that one doesn't work. It's hard to balance because, you know, like you are in a game of, you know, a little bit of selfishness. I love, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, there's some guys that are, you know, team rope and horsemanship in the last five years has stepped up too. Yeah. And yeah. that's why the competition is getting better. Everybody's yeah. getting better. You know, I'm learning, when I was learning all this stuff, I thought, man, I'm so far ahead. Yeah. These guys don't even know what's going on. And all of a sudden I'm looking around and I see these guys doing the same maneuver I just learned yeah. to do, you know, warming up and stuff. And it's yeah. like, right when I felt like I was getting ahead, everybody else was, yeah. seemed like they were learning it or I wasn't smart enough to notice it before, <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, so. I'm sure it's just upping because you see that in all sports is like the higher the level gets, the more, you, there's always a 1%. So, mm-hmm. so you think you've squeezed all you can out of the sponge and then there's one more percent. So, you know, 10 years ago it was at this level and then people worked out, if I get my horse a bit more tuned up, I'll be even better. So they did that. Then everyone saw that. So they copied and then someone will, you know, there'll be some technical thing that people will work on. Then it'll be nutrition and then it'll be, and then it, yeah. it keeps going full circle and you wonder how much yeah. better can this, how much faster than the, can the horses get, you know, yeah. it's, uh, it's yeah. crazy. I always, when I think of any sport and I think, man, where's this going to be in? Cause you think it's got to max out soon. There's going to be a ceiling, but it just keeps getting better and faster and people get stronger and faster. And, and more people get better. Yeah. <laughs> that's what's crazy. Yeah, once scary. one ceiling's broke, then everybody's like, when it's a flood and everybody's yeah. like, oh, they got it. It can be done, you know? Yeah. 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 So, uh, one time there's one guy that can do it. And then yeah. 10 years, 15 years later, there's a hundred people that can do that. Yeah. Like what he used to do. Yeah. yeah. And you know, like, I think this is why we like doing this. Cause it's like, you just get to explore all the different parts yeah. that everybody's kind of getting like you and you and you being young and in the sport and where you're at and on, you know, and you're at a top level. Right. But you know, you're not a top level just because you're, you know, 
just go and ropes 50, 100 times, you know, you know, every day right. with the rope on the dummy or whatever. But like you're playing the the mental game of it. You're addressing that. You're and then you come back to it, you know, like the same thing. And then your horsemanship and then taking your horsemanship to another level and, you know, growing with that and starting to look not just, you know, your training, but then like where you're going to recruit them. What, you know, what kind yeah. of horse are you looking for? You start mm-hmm. seeing the continuity in that. It just branches out. I mean, yeah. you just, you know, and you become more and more of a well-rounded athlete. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's fun to see. That's really fun to see. Yeah. It's a fun experience. Yeah. <laughs> At yeah. times it doesn't seem like it, but it, <laughs> no, it can be really you know. frustrating too. <laughs> yeah, it can be. Hey, I was talking to someone about that the other day is when you're in there grinding something and you, you need to take moments and step back and just be like, man, I'm lucky to be doing what I love. Any like even if on a day, even mm. if you lose, yeah. uh, for, like a losses suck, but it's like, man, I lost doing something I love. Yeah. Whereas some people have a crappy day doing something they hate. <laughs> so like it's yeah, it's it's crazy to think that, but it it also takes accountability and it's like in some ways it's harder because yeah. at least if you if so people are turning up to jobs they hate, they can it. It's almost like they give themselves permission. Yeah, they got a default. They've got a default excuse, you know. Whereas I don't have that. Yeah, but But, uh, it's tough because when you decide I'm going to do this thing that I'm passionate about, and and it's if I lose, it's on me, and and it's going to hit me harder. If you have a Someone tells you you suck at your job that you don't care about. Well, yeah. you're just like, yeah, whatever. I hate it anyway. <laughs> yeah. But like, if you have a bad day at a job that has been your life, we all know that that's mm-hmm. kind of it yeah. hits you in the soul a little yeah. bit. But that's what makes that's what of, makes it you great. Yeah, a lot of those drives home are long drives. Yeah. Home. <laughs> yeah, with the music off. Yeah, 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 yeah. The drive, Dead silence. That's, that's how you know it's been a bad day is when there's no music and <laughs> and you just just you and the song. <laughs> how many times my kids have gotten in the truck with me and they're like can can we turn the radio on yeah there's no radio i ain't listening to the radio in my truck i'm listening to the voices in my head (laughs) it was always like sparring like training was always for me harder than fights and i always knew that it was a bad day when it was no music and i only realized my mouth guard was still in when i got home (laughs) so i like i would like drive home with a mouthpiece grinding it yeah Mm. mouthpiece and no music and i'd just be in a trance just (laughs) going through the motion i don't think that's safe to drive (laughs) my teeth were fine so that's good yeah wow that's funny man cool times that's yeah you know it's like you said though before you do have to take a step back and and you know i did this I remember when I was a kid and I'd go, man, if I could just get to be as good as that guy, I'd yeah. be happy. If I could just get to be as good. You know, at one time I remember thinking as a kid, it'd be cool to be in the top 30 of the world, get yeah. to go to San Antonio and Houston and stuff. You know, and then at moments while you're going through that, you know, you need to step back and go, hey, I'm doing something that mm-hmm. at one time I never thought I could do. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and even though it might not be going your direction at that time, mm-hmm. you're still at, Dude. you've risen to a level that That's, at yeah. one time you never seemed it possible to yeah get there, you know? yeah and and we you hear you know it's so cliche people like stop and smell the roses but oh. how of, how often do you not do it and one of my favorite sayings is like remember the times that all you all you wanted in the world was what you have right now and i 
God, no. I I remember like that with fighting. I just remember so desperately wanting to be uh, whatever, you know, have a, a big pro. I just remember wanting to win a title belt. Then I won a title belt in Australia. And then like I had this, you know, maybe I could get in the UFC. And then I got to where I was fighting in the UFC and it was like I wasn't, I wasn't, I probably didn't embrace it as much as I should have, you know. And, yeah. and in hindsight, I do now, I really enjoy it. But I make sure I tell people that are on the journey, like <clears> their <throat> journey, whatever it is, I'm like, just make sure you stop and soak it up sometimes mm-hmm. because that's what the real you think there's a big prize at the end but the prize is the journey you know yeah. and that's yeah. and especially like it sounds rodeoing, so cliche right but it's, it's so, so true. true and i think there's no sport where it's more true than rodeoing because you know like you literally are traveling with your with your buddies you get to see the World. whole country yeah. you know and and like you hear these you hear, I, like I've been lucky enough to talk to some like legendary rodeo guys and none of them tell me what they won really they tell me about mm. their buddies they traveled with and the stories from them traveling and you know that sort of stuff and yeah. you're like man that's that's basically representative of life yeah. yes you know that's all you're gonna remember is the cool stories and the people you you went on those journeys with yeah you know yeah I so it's been a while since I've been, you know, in any of the big shows or anything. And I just don't have, I don't have the horsepower. And it's not because I can't go out and probably try to plumb that up. It's just, well, I would rather own it myself now than, than right. the other. And if I can't afford what it is, then I'll just sit back, I'm fine. You know, it's not, that's not necessarily what I'm, you know, have to have right now or whatever. Yeah. But do I miss it? I miss the horse shows with my friends. Yeah. Right. Like those guys that I run around with and stuff and that we, you know, and, and I do miss you know, like some of the big, you know, going into the big pen, but what do I really miss? I really miss the two o'clock in the morning bullshit. You know, we're all yeah. riding around and, you know, we're riding around the warm up pin and somebody rides by and pulls Casey Deary's bridle off and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> while he's doing something or whatever it was, yeah. it's just always that, that kind of stuff or the other fun things that I just, I, you know, yeah. I really enjoyed and remembered about, you know, doing that. Those were the guys that, you know, we all almost like kind of grew up together, right? You know, from not teens, but beyond that, you right. know, we did. Yeah, well, you're not done growing up just when you graduate. Well, <laughs> I'm not. My wife says I'm not growing up yet. Yeah, man. Not, not not even close. Ah, no, I'm still the kid, man. Yeah. My kids act better than I do. <laughs> yeah, I plan on growing up someday, but not any time I don't have time soon. for it right now. <laughs> yeah, now you're gonna start a whole new career. At- Team roping. Let's get into team roping. Now, now that I got a neighbor that's yeah. doing it. Jeez. <laughs> there you go. Here yeah. we go. I just got to heal up. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Now's your perfect time to be coached. And I'm going to be sitting at the gate in the morning. Uh, <laughs> hey, there's somebody free. out there at the gate. You know who that is? <laughs> oh man yeah so like do you want to get it is that do you like coaching or anything or is that i do yeah i teach some lessons and i've you know get some schools when my schedule yeah i guess it's allows but um it's fun you know what's really fun is teaching people though that are have been competitive before yeah that's what i really get into you know because (laughs) they go to a whole different level their work ethic is completely different than just teaching your average person yeah you know what i mean and i'm not saying they're any better talent wise or anything but you know when you tell them hey if you want to get better at this i need you to do this 10 times in the morning and 10 times in the evening before I see you next week. You know that they're going to do that 10 times in the morning, 10 times in the evening. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that, so that's cool. I enjoy teaching and just talking to people, you know, in general, but most people you're just trying to keep them safe. 
Really? Yeah. You know what I mean? You're not actually passing on any of your good yeah, stuff. Yeah, the, the little 1% yeah. tips. I'm just know? not right there. They're just not there yet or... Yeah. Yeah. But I tell you, I, that's the, that's the most fun that I have too. was, was teaching somebody that's, you know, you know, has the commitment yeah. that, you know, that you want them to have. Yeah. Even if they just have half of it, you know, oh, yeah. that, that, that's, that's really good. Yeah. You know, those are fun. Those are fun to teach. That, they are. That have the, the, and not all of them have this, the, the time to no. be able to do it. But it's it's still they've got they're gonna put some commitment to some it. Commitment. You know? Yeah, and those are fun to coach. Yeah, and that's I mean the rest of it's fun too. It's just you know whatever the, their life they're just trying to go out there and have fun with it. Yeah, you know and and I get that and you know that's I talk to everybody before a lesson. What do you want out of this? Yeah, you know, if you want to just go be safe and have fun, that's where I'm gonna direct it toward. Mm-hmm. But if you want it's really fun to get the people that really really want to get better. Just, you know, and have been competitive in the past because you know that they know what to, what it's going to take and you're going to get to tell them. I find it cool, like say with Tommy, I, you get to go to really cool points in your brain that you forget that you had. Mm, you know yeah. what I mean? Because they're, they'll ask questions or they'll be that into it or they'll be at a stage in life that or in, with their roping that I was out when I was five or six yeah. years old and I don't hardly remember. And I got to teach myself yeah. to be able to teach them what they need to hear, you know, and. Tommy and I talk a lot about that because same in the horsemanship side of things, you know, he's taught a lot of people, but very few people have as much information as mm-hmm. I've wanted, you know, and so he's had to go back into places that he just, it's like breathing to him to yeah. learn how to teach me how to do it yeah. properly, you know. We were just yeah. talking about that the other day. Yeah. I was, I was, we were, we did a little video on, on teaching a horse the, uh, to pick up the correct lead. And the, how, how to get a good lead departure. Mm-hmm. And we were out there and I looked at Brendan. And I was like, I don't have to like think about what leg I use, where I use it and whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't, I, mean, I just don't, I just do it. I don't even think about it. Right. Like, this is good. Okay. Yeah, it's good. Hey. Yeah. Cause when you have to explain it, it makes like, yeah. makes you make sure you're doing it. Like the best I've ever done anything is after I've been coaching beginners at whatever it was right. for a little while. And then you just like, cause you can kind of get away with skipping the beginner steps but it's, you shouldn't be, you know, you shouldn't. Yeah. Hmm. So, man, cool. It's cool. Well, good. I'm glad you moved into town. It's going to be Perfect. fun. Yeah. yeah well, it's good having you around, man. <laughs> Don't be Thanks. surprised if we're not going to be at the front gate. <laughs> yeah. I'll just leave it open. For yeah. Leave it open and we'll be there in the morning. And, uh, let's get started. So, <laughs> no, but thanks for joining us, Kai. That was, exactly. uh, that was a fun chat, man. You've been you know, awesome. Yeah. Right. I, I learned, a, learned a lot. got some good tips. Yeah. I usually, one of the first guys that I've, that I've heard in the, in the, in the rope and that really has, you know, looked into and, and delved into the mental game of, of things. Until now, they've all got a secret. Now, everybody, (laughs) the next I guess now it's time to write a book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the Clayway. Here it goes. The Clayway. So, guys, look out for the Clayway coming up. I'm going to go, um, um, what do you you call it? When are you going to? Um, public, public yeah it's intellectual it? my intellectual oh, yeah. property IP, the name yeah. of that <laughs> yeah that's it all right uh, thanks man cool. good thanks, thanks thanks for listening to the go time podcast with todd martin and brendan o'reilly be sure to follow us on facebook instagram and youtube at go time ranch so you can come work with us each day to learn, have fun, and be inspired. For information on bookings and merchandise, please visit www.gotimeranch.com.